Welcome to the Optimizing Brains and Bodies podcast. This podcast is part of a series of online learning tools that Dr. Kristen Allett is developing for people who want to have more energy and mental clarity in general, and specifically for improving health and mental wellness. Dr. Kristen Allett is a naturopathic physician in Tacoma, Washington. She has dedicated her practice to providing non-pharmaceutical interventions for depression, anxiety, addiction, sugar cravings, and other mental health concerns. And I'm Natasha Duarte, a longtime friend of Dr. Allett's and a consultant for small businesses and nonprofits, specializing in communication, strategic planning, and developing multiple revenue streams. I'm also the founder of Understanding SIBO, which was just recently launched. Today we are going to be talking about colds and flus, how to avoid them, and if you do get sick, how to be sick for less time. So, Dr. Allett, um, we just finished doing a connectors group. Um, the connectors group consists of really a wide range of individuals who are committed to uh, feeling better themselves and helping other people navigate how to live their lives better and feel better in their lives. Um, we've been doing these connectors group webinars for a while and now um, we're turning those into podcasts so we can reach a wider audience. Do you want to get us started and tell us a little bit about the, yeah. the webinar we just did? Yeah, so the webinar we just did was on colds and flus and uh, part of the reason why uh, we did one on colds and flus is that uh, it can really impact our well-being both on a physical and mental level if we're sick. And so one of the questions I asked the participants was how many days in a year are impacted by a cold or flu? May it be your own or the people you around you? And so a couple of people were like three to ten days and that was kind of themselves. But a couple of people said that 40 and 70 days are impacted by somebody being sick in their lives because they're dealing with uh, a lot of people flowing through their offices or, or at their businesses. And, um, and, and we may not be sick, but then we have to either help our family members or um, our office mates or clients because they're sick. And so I think it's important to have some tools to uh, get better quickly uh, because the average amount of time somebody is sick in America is 10 days, which is way, way too long. So let's just jump right in to the, to the colds and flus. Um, during the webinar, you went over the steps that you take on a regular basis to uh, to, to prevent, first of all, to prevent being sick, um, including washing hands frequently and taking time off. But you spent a bit of time talking about the importance of hot baths. Um, yes. Which I love. So, so. <laughs> yeah. so uh, one of the things that, that I thought about doing when I, my two business plans was either specializing in the physical causes of mental health or specializing in colds and flus because there's enough colds and flus I figure I could make a living because we're as a country not very good at treating it and uh, one of the ways of preventing it is definitely washing your hands I, I think of it during transition time so when you come home from work certainly when you go to the bathroom when you've been around somebody who is sick that's all worthwhile 
Um, but my the biggest tool that I have is hot baths because what happens is a bacteria or virus comes in and wants to replicate in our body at 98.6 or whatever our core bo natural body temperature is. And the immune system actually functions better a little above our body temperature. So like 99, 100, it, the cells are activated to go kill bugs at that stage. And so part of the reason why we get a temperature when we're sick is because our immune system is activating the army, the navy, the, the marines to go and kill whatever has invaded us. What we tend to do as Americans is put in an anti-inflammatory such as ibuprofen or Tylenol or aspirin to suppress that temperature because it makes us achy and tired and, and, and feel sick, but that pretty much assures that we're going to be sick for a longer period of time because the virus will just replicate and, or the bacteria will just replicate until it burns itself out. And some people end up being sick for like, I've had people come in and I've been sick for two months and that's way, way too long. So when I've been exposed to somebody who's sick or I'm like, ah, maybe I'm getting sick, uh, I take a hot bath. And this isn't a scalding hot bath. This is like, uh, can sit comfortably in hot water for about 20 minutes. Because what I want, what I'm trying to do is get my core body temperature above 98.6 so that the virus and bacteria can't replicate and that my immune system can get activated and go kill things. And then generally I get out of the bathtub and wrap up and go take a nap. Um, when I actually get sick, uh, my protocol is to take five hot baths in a day and stay at home, obviously, take five hot baths in a day and pretty much take a hot bath, sleep, get up and eat, watch some, some TV that I need to catch up on. Uh, I get that bone chill, go take a hot bath, go take a nap, get some food, watch TV, get that bone chill, take a bath. And, and what I find, and, and my clients find, is that if I, if I take the time to do that, I can burn the cold out in one or two days. I may be tired for two more days, but I'm not sick. I'm just, like I can tell that I, my body's put in a big physical effort. So I think hot baths are wonderful. A lot of people don't have bathtubs these days. Showers are good. Uh, they're not quite as good as hot baths. You kind of have to stand in the shower for certainly 20 minutes to, to really get your temperature. It just doesn't go as deep as, as the baths do. But if that's what you have, try try showers and then really, you know, almost sleep uncomfortably warm. Great. The other thing that we talked a bit about is the importance of eating easily digested foods so your body doesn't have to, you know, while it's fighting off the invaders, doesn't have to work as hard at assimilating the, the nutrients it needs, the energy it needs to do that. Can you give us some yeah. examples? Yeah. So one of the things that I do when I find that I'm getting sick and I recommend to my patients is you want uh, a cooked foods, not raw foods. Uh, so when I'm getting sick, like I, I kind of have a grocery list that I have, which is to get some soup and some lemons and um, some rice. And sometimes, sometimes I didn't bring this up in the connectors meeting, 
but there's an Indian restaurant really close by, and I had I just go get some lamb sog and like really good with onion and garlic and and ginger and cinnamon and you know all those warming spices. Those are uh, antimicrobial spices. And uh, so I have, you know, I just go get food that's that I can easily eat. Chicken noodle soup, if you're still eating no noodles, is really shown to help with the immune system. Chicken rice soup, also, we can get in a can pretty easily. I also talked about congee. You can Google various recipes, but the most simple way of doing congee is a cup of rice and either water or a box of bone broth and uh, you want like four cups of fluid and then you just simmer it for like four or five hours until it's like a gruel and then you can add a little cinnamon and ginger and maybe a little maple syrup or if you want the sweet, if you want savory, you can add some chicken to that and some onions and garlic. And because it's so digested, it's easy for your digestive system to absorb the nutrients. And uh, getting in those warming spices is also really helpful. Great. And of course, it's important to stay hydrated. So yes. teas, water. Teas, teas waters, uh, lemon, lemon juice. One of the things that uh, is helpful if you have a sore throat is there's variations on this, but it's like lemon juice and salt or lemon juice, uh, ginger, uh, garlic, uh, and a gargle. Sometimes I do it straight. Most of my patients need to dilute it with water, uh, but I really like sour, so uh, no problem for me. But uh, getting some acid on the back of your throat really makes it hard for the bacteria to replicate. Hmm. Uh, and burns like hell, uh, but you know, it's nice to, to not be sick and to like just clean off whatever's back there. So, and then just drinking lots of water. Uh, so the rule of thumb if in Seattle, if you're in a drier climate, you need more, more. If you are drinking a lot of caffeine or exercising, you need more. But in general, what I tell people when you're not sick, that if you should get a third of your body weight in fluid, so if you're 150 pounds, you should get 50 ounces of water a day. Um, and if you are sick, like really you should be trying to get a glass of water in every hour and a half, two hours. Uh, because the water kind of helps, you know, you gotta imagine that when you're sick that basically there's a battlefield going on in your sinuses or in your back of your throat or in your lungs. And the water is gonna help wash that battleground down and allow the immune system, the immune cells to bring ordinances in themselves to the field to go and kill the bacteria and virus. And so keeping fluids up is really important. Talking about gargling made me think of other supplements as well that, that people often reach for. So either vitamin C or there's been a lot of talk about yeah. vitamin D. What are the, what are the sort of go-to supplements that you use or recommend for your patients? Yeah, so in general, uh, studies show taking vitamin D is useful for uh, having a, a good and healthy immune system. And so if, if you're not taking a vitamin D supplement, I would highly encourage it because it lowers your risk of autoimmune disease, such as MS and rheumatoid arthritis. It, um, and it prevents many cancers, particularly prostate and uh, breast cancer. 
Uh, and it just uh, makes it more likely you'll leave a hospital if you go in because what studies show is the people who go into hospitals with low vitamin D tend to not leave. In other words, they die. So getting a little vitamin D in, and since this is a setup that, that I want people to be able to recommend what I'm recommending. And so sometimes things are a little more conservative than what I might do in my office, but part of that is because I live in Seattle and I know what the Seattle environment is, which might be different than New Mexico. So um, I like people to be at least adults getting in at least 2,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. And the supplement that I feel very strongly about is Carlson's. It's pretty ubiquitous on the internet and, and in health food stores. I, there's other supplements like Thorn that I think are really worthwhile there. What I have found is there are some supplements that people are just getting whatever at their drugstore and it doesn't always work or it is not enough because I, I see their vitamin D levels in laboratory analysis and I'm like, yeah, not enough. So Carlson's is a quality product just in general. Uh, in terms of uh, other supplements, vitamin C is very helpful. Uh, the amazing thing about vitamin C is that most people, when they're not sick, they can do about 1,000 IUs a day without getting loose stools. When they are sick, it could go up to 10 grams in a day, and they're still uh, not getting loose stools. The reason why people get loose stools is your body will absorb the amount of vitamin C that it needs, and what it doesn't need it stays in the stool and then just keeps water in the stool so it can be used as a laxative as well. Uh, generally, I just, for vitamin C, I recommend emergency because it's pretty ubiquitous and people can get a hold of it. I personally use a low sugar chewable vitamin C for my co-op because I get tired of taking pills and I'll chew the vitamin C. One of the questions that came up in the connectors meeting was, uh, you know, there's so many different vitamin C's and we're told which one's right and which one. And there's, there's a little absorbability difference and it, there's some genetic from person to person. But what I've seen is that if you're not doing it or it just stays in the bottle, there's 100% non-absorbability. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, you got to take it. So, <laughs> Like, you know, for me, I will get my vitamin C in if it's chewable and, and that it kind of tastes like candy. So, you know, I, I'll do my vitamin D, I'll do my vitamin C in the more, I like to get a little vitamin C every day uh, because my body clearly does better with that. That's not true for everybody, but, you know, I'll do my vitamin C daily if, if it's chewable. Mm -hmm. um, so a zinc is also a supplement that's worthwhile. Uh, you know, there are a lot of more and more cold and flu type uh, supplements like Airborne uh, that has, or Zycam that has zinc and vitamin C in it. And, and you know, I, like I don't not recommend them. Uh, they certainly work to some degree. And you should know that you may have your favorite remedy and it will last for three, four, maybe five years. And then your body's like seen it, done it, and it's good to switch it up. So don't, don't think that you've got this really horrible cold if your magic formula didn't work if you've been doing it for a couple of years. Sometimes you just have to switch it up. And that's because your immune system sort of gets used to it? Or is there like a... Yeah. 
The immune system gets used to it, and the bugs get used to it. You know, like, I mean, you know, the the bugs are kind of like the Borg, and their immune system is kind of like the Borg. Like, they're always trying to figure out a new way to get in. And so, you know, you don't have to mix it up every time, but mixing it up a little is worthwhile. That's good to know. So now say you're doing all of this stuff and you're taking your baths and you've managed to get someone to cover you at work so you can take you can rest or sleep and you're eating all of this stuff and after three or four days you're still not feeling well so like when when do you cross that line into thinking like maybe i should go see the doctor yeah so part of this is on a really individual level and part of it is some good common sense right uh, if you have health conditions that make you fatigued and weaken your immune system, go sooner. Uh, but if you're a fairly healthy human being and you have support when you're sick, which means you have somebody in your house with you when you're sick, I'm pretty comfortable letting people... Um, so part of the hot baths is trying as much as possible to not take ibuprofen or something to suppress the immune system. And just like during the day, kind of ride it out as much as possible. If you need it to sleep at night, like go for it. But because I think sleep's really important, but you know, at least have a window that you're not suppressing the, the temperature, but monitor it, monitor it. And you know, at 101, 102, if you're getting that high regularly, you probably have a bacterial infection and need to go in and discuss if your doctor is going to give you an antibiotic. If you have green or bright yellow snot or sputum coming out of your lungs, that means you have a bacterial infection and somebody should probably be monitoring you. If you can't get in food or water for any length of time, so water is about four, four, four hours. If you're not drinking water, for four hours. So a few years ago, I had a kidney stone, and the first one I passed, you know, painfully, but I passed. The second one, I couldn't get water in, and I noticed that when I got couldn't get water in for four hours, I, I just called a friend and was like, "Okay, we got to take me to the ER," and they just put two bags of saline in, and it was amazing that they got two bags of saline and I didn't have to pee at all, <laughs> which was how dehydrated I was. I mean, it was kind of, so four hours for no fluid. So if you, you have a stomach virus or stomach ick uh, and you're not getting down fluids, you need to go see a doctor sooner than later. Food can go a little further, but you've got to eat food every day. And uh, if there's any blood, you know, it's one thing if you blow your nose and there's a little bit of blood because you just blew so hard, you don't have to go see a doctor for that. But like if you're regularly blowing blood out of your nose or coughing up blood, you need to go see a doctor. And I'm just going to, as a reminder for uh, urinary tract infections, if you ever have blood come out of your urine or stool, please go see a doctor. And, you know, if you're single and there's no one helping you be sick, be a little more conservative. I, if you have a fabulous primary care physician or primary care for provider that you love and you can get into their office whenever you want, awesome. That is becoming a rarity these days. And uh, I'm encouraging people uh, to get to know their emergency care clinic that's nearby. The, these are walk-in clinics um, that accept most health insurance. 
and they're going to know what the latest cold and flu is and what antibiotics are going to work for it. So, uh, and then uh, there's going to be a handout uh, associated with this podcast and the last page will be a list of symptoms so that you have a written list of information to just hand to your doctor when you walk in on here's what's going on, here's what I would like you to do, please help me. Because if you go in with something written and organized, you get better care. Yeah, I've definitely found that that um, doctors seem to take you a little bit more seriously if they see that you're actually thinking about it and have done, you can say, I've done this and I've done that and kind of saves that whole interview process. They can look at it and then just sort of get to the treatment part of it if you need a yeah. treatment. The other thing that came up that I thought was interesting um, during the webinar, Kristen, was the, you know, like some people get better from a cold and they don't go see a doctor, but they have this lingering cough. And then, you know, you, you shared that sometimes like you, a, a patient will come in and they're like, oh yeah, I've been coughing for six weeks and it's actually walking pneumonia. So yeah, it, it's hard sometimes, you know, realizing like, oh, you know, you're sort of functioning and you're going on with life, but there are these other triggers that really, I think also yeah. sort of journaling or keeping track, um, you realize Ugh, it's been three weeks and I've still been coughing, you know, maybe I need to yeah. seek extra care. Yeah. So there's, with the lingering cough, there's some differentiations that I try and make. So there's the cough, uh, I'm coughing, but I feel fine. And then there's the coughing and I'm not fine, but I'm functional. And, and that's usually how they're described. I mean, there's the coughing, I feel like crap, I know that I'm sick. Uh, hopefully you're gonna go, you're sure you're gonna go see a doctor then. Um, but there's a whole bunch of people who are coughing and feel fatigued but functional and that's just how it is. And, and I've had people go months like that. And they'll come into my office and I'll listen to their lungs and they have walking pneumonia and they really kind of need uh, to take a break and get an antibiotic or an antiviral. And you can only know that you have pneumonia by having somebody listen to your lungs. Sometimes they'll do an x-ray. So if you have a lingering cough and you feel like crap, and I guess that should be also on the list of like, when do you seek medical care? Like you've been sick for more than 10 days. Go talk to a doctor about your symptoms and have them listen to your lungs. So go see a doctor if you feel like crap. The other kind of cough is you're just coughing and you're just coughing, you feel fine, you can go back to your exercise routine. Uh, if you breathe very hard, you start coughing. Uh, you know, if you drink something with cold water, you cough. And that's, uh, that kind of cough is usually aftermath of a good lung war. Uh, there are certain viruses that um, affect your microcilli that, that, uh, which is like an escalator that, that sweep crap out of your lungs. And when they are affected, either paralyzed or lost, uh, then the cough is because your uh, lungs don't have this escalator sweeping stuff out of the bottom and, the, and it tries to throw it up to the top of the escalator. And some viruses like whooping cough, like you'll be no longer contagious, and, uh, but you're still coughing and, and that's just part of the process and you just kind of have to wait it out. Um, 
And staying away from dairy and citrus often help coughs. You know, everybody's like, drink orange juice when you're sick, which is just a bad idea. That's just a ton of sugar. Like, that's why you want to eat vitamin C. You don't like, yes, vitamin C is good, but not, not that much sugar. And, uh, and dairy and, and citrus will aggravate coughs often. So kind of waiting it out. And if you're not sure, you know, it's worth going into just an emergent care clinic and, and say, can you listen to my lungs? Because I've been coughing for a while. And to make sure the other thing you're looking for is, is the cough. Sometimes you can tell the cough is post-nasal drip because, because you wake up in the morning and you have a lot of green snot. But the green snot doesn't care, stay around throughout the day. So I guess that's another differentiator is the green and yellow shot snot need to just not be in the morning. It's throughout the entire day. You're coughing up or blowing out green snot. That's a bacterial infection. But if you can tell it's post-nasal drip and your lungs feel fine, then post-nasal drip. Great. Any last suggestions or comments for folks uh, on this? Well, so hopefully, along with the podcast, you're going to look at the, we have a four-page handout we put together for you and again this is similar to the connectors group like part of the reason why we put the handout is so that you have a plan and you can also hand it to the people around you and say you need a plan for <laughs> and flus the other question that came up in the connectors group is like what to do when people are coming into your office over and over you know just a stream of people are coming sick and washing your hands is really helpful. Hand sanitizers, like there's some health problems that are coming out of that. And so what I've been, just rubbing your hands together with friction kills bacteria. Certainly good soap and water, but I've been getting people to get baby wipes uh, because they're not as toxic and wash, you know, kind of rubbing your hands with that and uh, wiping down the doorknobs and any surfaces that people are touching so that you're not getting that kind of contact. And then, you know, if somebody's coughing in your office, like asking them to go home and be sick um, and, and kind of culturally just saying, you know, it's not appropriate for you to make everybody sick. Yes, um, giving so, permission for people to take the yeah. time off so they don't share the love. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I hope you listen to this podcast, and if you do, uh, it's always helpful to um, go to our Facebook and tell us how it's useful, or you know, uh, if you have any cold or flu remedies that you particularly like, um, that that's helpful as well. But we try and keep the discussion to sort of food related, and that's about it. Have a great day. You Bye. too. Bye.